Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. Okay, this is so exciting. We are in, this is Danny J, by the way. We are in New York City in our New York City loft in Chinatown slash Lower East Side. I'm learning the lingo. And I have a live audience in front of me. There's a bunch of women here in a living room. And we have a special guest because we're doing something fancy and different today. So anyway, hi, Jill. We are. Hi. (laughs) Okay, guest, can you please introduce yourself? Uh, My name is Nicole DiMartino. So here's what we did. Nicole got randomly picked to be on the podcast today. So Jill and I are actually, we did a workshop today for the the podcast. We're launching the happiness diet and we're doing some workshop type activities and we're finishing up and we said, you know, everybody gets to, gets to have a chance to be on the podcast with us. So we just drew some numbers and Nicole is here. Have you been on a podcast before? Never. (laughs) Are you, do you feel nervous? A little bit. Okay, good. Okay. So tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, maybe where you're from, what you do, your background, et cetera. You did such a great job of introducing yourself here tonight. Oh, well, thank you. I, uh, I'm originally from Philadelphia, from Northeast Philadelphia. I was an optician for a very long time. An optician? An optician, yeah. Oh, you didn't tell us that earlier. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, well. Nice. And uh, I worked for a corporation that eventually moved me out to New York. So I lived in New York for a long time. And then I met my husband. He came in for eyeglasses. Nice. And that's how we met. Hitting on the patients. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes, I broke every HIPAA violation. Yeah. We yep. went right through those medical <laughs> records. So you have insurance check. Right. Job check. And then we, I got... We moved in six months later. I was probably pregnant six months after that. We were married about a, less than a year after that. Moved fast. Yeah, it was, we were on How long it. have you all been married now? Uh, a little over 10 years. Dang. I know. All right. I know. And then we moved off to the suburbs. We left the city. Suburbs, here we come. Three kids later. And I wow. uh, stay at home with them. And, and now you're in Real Housewife of New Jersey. I am. And, yeah. Yeah, oh, White Plains, Westchester. <laughs> oh, okay. New York. Um, Real Housewives of New Westchester, yes. New York. Okay, but in between <laughs> it's not the same. The kids, but it's close. I had a lie. I went back to school. I took a health coaching course. Yeah. I did the Integrative Institute for Nutrition. Oh, amazing! Yeah, I did that. Working on NASM certification. Good picked for you. Up a few things along the way, and now I finally have all three in school full time. So now it's time for me. It's I love it. I love it. Time and I think start. a lot of people can relate to that story of going like, cool, like I kind of, I kind of checked the boxes and I'm like ready for the next iteration of whatever my life looks like, whether that's career wise, family wise, whatever. So we're excited to have you. And we thought yeah. that we would do a little bit of a round table kind of discussion on a juicy topic Yep. that I feel yeah. like whether you, whatever kind of iteration you're in in your life that you have some sort of, I don't want to say issue, let's say struggle. We'll call it issues. I got issues. (laughs) With someone in your family. And this is actually something we have not podcasted on necessarily. We've talked a lot about relationships and family, but we haven't really talked specifically about family members. And I think if you, most people do have that one person 
in their life that they either have butted head with in the butted heads with in mm-hmm. the past or are currently doing that and it can be really kind of hard to navigate. Yeah, so we did this we did this workshop tonight and we're talking a lot about different relationships and Jill and I went to a retreat like two years ago and we were with a group of people and everybody seemed to have yep. some kind of issue with their mom or their dad <laughs> or a brother or so, like we all have issues with somebody. So for me yep. and I know my mom listens to this sometimes, but it's, it's always been my mom. Hi Shelly. So, yep. <laughs> um, so we're going to just kind of talk about that and like things that come up. Uh, Nicole, like who's your person you're kind of thinking off, off the bat. Oh, well, she this, rolled her eyes. Yeah, well, this is like <laughs> deep. This is really... It, it is deep. The, well, yeah, so... You I, don't have to name names. You could just no, say there's okay. a person. Okay. It's okay. It's okay. So my mom mm. suffered from depression my whole childhood, and she overdosed eventually on some type of medication, and... She overdosed and passed away, or she's yeah, still here? No, she passed away. Wow, okay. And uh, I found her. Mm. <sighs> right before I was about to go off to college. Wow. Yeah. So it's, he- yeah, it's deep. It's Super heavy. heavy. Yeah. And it took me a v- almost 39 years to be able to say that in a room full of people, yeah. let alone on a freaking podcast. Yeah, we didn't. Well, we, okay, just so web. FYI, we didn't uh, prep Nicole or ask. So now we're <laughs> no. finding out and going like, we're sorry, the first out sorry about that. <laughs> that well, awkward you. moment well, when you're like, thank you for your courage. Like, I yeah. know that obviously that's a lot to like to share, even in a room of people that you just met a couple hours ago. And we really appreciate that. And I think there's oh. a lot of listeners that can relate to, you know, losing someone and, and dealing with what you dealt with. So just kind of share with us, like, what has the last maybe 20 years been like for you working through that? I didn't work through it. So mm-hmm. that's what uh, was part of the problem. I just picked up the pieces, went along, like nothing happened. I never dealt with it. I never talked about mm-hmm. it. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Can I ask? So you were at college or college age, like 20? Oh, it was before. It was about uh, 19, I was 18 about to go. I just, I had just graduated high school. Okay. So, so you're like 18 years old. Yeah. Was your dad in your life? Were they married? Yes, or? absolutely. Okay, so yes, you had another they were parent. married. I'm an only child on top of oh, it. Oh, dang. So, okay. uh, it was my father and I, and in college, I was about to go off, and he had to, and my mother was a nurse. I come from a very blue-collar family. My mother was a nurse. My father worked construction, and the look on his face was like, I can't, I can't do this. I can't send you off to school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I went to work. Yeah. And uh, I worked my way through and I was fortunate enough to work with a corporation that helped reimburse tuition, but yeah. you know, it mm-hmm. wasn't. So to, dad kind of lost two people at the same time. A little bit. Yeah. And then I moved to New York, like the, just wanted to get the hell out of Philadelphia. Like I am not, I'm not doing this. I want to get out. And then that's what brought me to New York. Like you went to New York store. I was like, I will take it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I packed up, moved and I did. I did leave my father. You're absolutely right. Yeah, he lost his wife, and then you were taken off, too, yeah. so that's an but interesting... eventually, Dad came back to live with me in the suburbs. Yeah. Oh. He did, yeah. Does he live with you now? No. So, Pop-Up had a massive stroke about three years ago, no. but he's okay. He's yeah. fine. Yeah. He's now with assistant living yeah. and where he should be, and yeah. he's in a... He's fine. It's fine. But eventually, he did. He did come back, because he was all I had, and it was... I, I You know, I will say this, and... Uh, for my kids to see that we take care of our elders, like people are like, oh my gosh, you have your father living. Like people mm. were horrified of that. Very judgmental, mm-hmm. to be honest with you, for having my father come live with me. Like, And my kids, 
he was so helpful. And for my kids to see that we care for our parents, we care for our elders, and this is like truly what family is about, I don't regret that. And mm -hmm. I think that was such a great lesson. But was it always easy? No. Did we fight? Yes. Over his health. Dad, are you taking your medication? Mm -hmm. Are you doing this? His eating habits were complete opposite of mine. Mm -hmm. And there was definitely some tension at times. It wasn't always easy. But when he had a stroke and was in the hospital and rehab and all this, my middle daughter, which I never really realized at the time when he was living with us, he would, you know, the middle child, she has a bit of middle child syndrome. <laughs> and she, something happened, getting everyone ready for school. And she turned around to me. She threw her lunchbox down. She said, Papa was here. This never would have happened. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, this affected mm -hmm. you. This, like she... They liked having him yeah. around, and yeah. it was great. And this is what family is, and such a time where everyone's so involved in themselves, and we lose, you know, with the internet, Instagram, and this and mm -hmm. that, and everyone's mm -hmm. so, how do I look? How do I feel? You know, yeah. So there he is. So there it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Papa was not like he was yeah. left alone temporarily. Then he, then he came back. Aww. What a gift that you gave to your family, though. I mean, I think if, to your point, Thank like you. a lot of people wouldn't want to, you know what I mean? But you were like, you can see the value of that. And, and you must be so proud to be able to have been able to do that, too. Mm -hmm. Yes. And in a position to be able to help yep. him and yeah. all of that. Yeah. And ha yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's one thing that I at the time there were times when I was in the thick of it. Yeah. Oh, gosh, what did I do? Taking yeah. Oh, yeah. On my freaking dad. I have three small children and my father and taking him to like when you're in the thick of it but now looking back I'm like oh it was great and I you know maybe I should have been a little bit better maybe you know but but you do your best yeah. and I think yes. that's like a good yes. segue into like what we want to talk about which is and I know I had this and I know you've had this too where you your relationship with your parents changes, changes. Mm -hmm. and I don't know what time that changes yeah. for me it started changing in my mid-20s my early to mid-20s but I think Sometimes it never changes, you know, and I work with, and Danny and I both work with a lot of clients who still seek approval from their parents regardless. And I think that's a really like normal way. And then at some point there's a shift. And for me, it was almost, and I don't want this to come off condescending, even though it can, I started to kind of almost see my parents as not, I put them up on a pedestal. I think we all put our yes. parents up on a pedestal yes. in yep. some regard yes. that they, you know, they know better or whatever. And then you start to just see their humanity slowly. Yep. You start to see their humanity over time. And I remember my dad was going through a divorce with his second wife after my mom and he was a wreck. It wasn't his decision. And he called me and I was like 18 or 19 at the time. And I was at college. He called me at like midnight and he was a wreck and he was crying. And I just remember having this moment of like, just huge compassion, but also just disorientation of mm -hmm. like, holy shit, is this my role now Yeah, that he feels? And I felt really honored that he felt that close and that trusting that he would share that his like stress with me. But you have this moment, these moments where you slowly start to almost see your parents, I don't want to say as children, but like at least on the, on the same playing Level. field and you yeah. can almost have more compassion and it takes the thread out of like, I need my parents approval. Cause you can see that like, they're just trying to do their best too. Yep. And they don't have all the answers either even though for a long time we thought that they did. Yep. And that is a really, I think, a pivotal kind of shift. And I've, I've been lucky enough to kind of have that with both my parents to the point that I feel like we're more best friends now yep. than, we've, than we are really parent-sibling. I have a question for you, because we both kind of said our mom at the beginning. Who's your family member that's kind of the person you've struggled you with know, the most? You know, I don't know that it, if, if, it was, if it was anybody, it would probably be my father. He, mm -hmm. uh, my parents divorced when I was two, 
And um, I was an only child as well. And he, my dad actually moved away when I was five. So I lived, I grew up in Boston and my dad moved to Florida when I was five. And like, at the time, I don't think I really understood the impact of that. Mm-hmm. I think looking back, I was like, wow, I think I wouldn't say I have like abandonment issues, but I think I did have a feeling of not good enough or a feeling of being unlovable because I must not be a good enough daughter if my father will move away. Right. And I think I'm just piecing that together. I don't know that I actually really consciously felt that way, but I do know that I spent like the first, I don't know, I would say 20 years of my life really trying to prove my worth to him. Mm -hmm. He would come in for the weekend, take me out and we'd go, you know, it was like that, that weekend dad, you know, like that weekend parent that would come in and kind of like whisk you off your feet and take you to dinner and, and spend money on you, whatever. And looking back, I have a lot of compassion for my mom because she was doing like the day-to-day shit, right? Yep. Like she was like, we were getting fights all the time. Like I was that like bitchy ass teenager. Like, yep. And she was there showing up, providing all the time. And not that my dad didn't love me and he wasn't providing in his own way, but it was easy to just, to make him the one that I wanted yeah. to prove myself to. And like, he can do no wrong. Who's the fun and house. To my mom, right, the fun house. <laughs> yep. And to my mom's credit, she never fucking said one thing mm-hmm. about really? that, even That's though it amazing. must've been like, you know, kind her. of killer inside. You know, it's interesting because your mother passed away. So it's kind of like we have 20 years with our parents and now we're all about 20 years out, right? Like we're late thirties. Yeah. We're almost starting 40. to take care of our own parents. So it's like we had 20 years with our parents. We're 20 years out with our parents. And yet the effect of the first 20 years still goes on, whether they're with us or not. Sure. And so like Nicole, your mother passed away. And I'm wondering too, like, I kind of think I, I remember my 18, 19 years old and this sounds terrible. And I don't know if my mom will hear this, but I just remember thinking at that time, I we were so... I hated her so much and we fought so much. I was like, if she died, I would not care. Yes. And I wanted it to end and I just wanted nothing to do with her. And looking back today, we have a different relationship, but I would have, I think I would have s- still believed if she had died when I was the age your, you were, when your mom passed away, I maybe in my head would have still believed that she was a horrible person, um, that we were just miserable. And now I've been able to look back with compassion and I'm wondering for you, because I think it doesn't it sometimes doesn't matter if they're still here or not. I think we still might have to go through the process. It's kind of what I want to ask you is since you've been processing it now, maybe how you felt when she died, like, were you angry? Were you just like, I can't believe like, were you mad? I don't, I don't know how that would feel. And then like today, how do you look at it? Uh, It was actually in an odd, I don't know, dealing with someone that suffers from mental illness and depression Mm -hmm. and there were times where she wouldn't come out of her room for three days and like, oh, mom's not feeling good. She's not going to be around this week sure. or she's not going to be mm-hmm. around for the next few, you know. It was almost, there was almost a relief. Relief, hmm Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I felt guilty for that in a long way. Yeah. Why am I not, I should be, into, I should be a And mess. I'm sure people will relate be, to that too. Yeah, I should be an emotional wreck. I should feel like this. This is, I shouldn't feel, you know, this feeling of like, why do I feel this way? And so then I just buried it. I yep. didn't talk about it. I buried it and moved on with life. And now that I, at 39, dealing with it, like finally being able to talk about and deal with this, I, at first when I would talk about it, there was anger, like, did she not, was I not enough yeah. to keep it together? Yeah. Like, what, you couldn't just keep yeah. it together for me. Like, do you think you when you had kids, did it make you think about that too? Like, oh, I would never do this to my kids. How could she do this Ex- to me? A hundred percent. Exactly. I would never not. I can't right. even imagine what would happen to my household if I didn't get up for three. Did you I see her as selfish? Yeah, uh, totally. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's exactly all of those feelings. Yeah. Um, but now I, she was suffering. Yeah. She was in a lot of pain. Yeah. And I can't even imagine what that must feel like, yeah. right? As a mom, as a wife, as a, 
she was a, amazing. She was beautiful. She was smart. She had a double masters in a time where women were like flight attendants, and she. But she suffered. She truly suffered, and she's where she's supposed to be now. And I have to be okay with that. And through all that, I'm still okay. I am not her, mm-hmm, right? My, mm-hmm. I'm a great mom. I'm a loving person. I'm a caring person. Mm-hmm. Um, I constantly want to give to others, maybe to to a fault you know, um, everybody, it's, it's okay. Yeah. You know, and, and going through that, right. Going through that process has made me who I am. And, um, I, I definitely don't look at it. I'm not angry. I'm not resentful. I'm not, why'd you do this to me? I know that she, she didn't do it because she didn't love me. I know that because if I didn't feel, I I don't think I would be the person today if I didn't feel love and, she must have done something right at some point. She definitely did something you know, right to at some be, point. Right? Like that, that's kind of... Um, I love that so much that now. like it's so interesting that we can eventually have gratitude or even have like give the benefit of the doubt to someone who, you f- who we feel like maybe hurt us mm-hmm. or like... And, and to me, like I always go back to mindset tools or whatever and benefit of the doubt or, or compassion, empathy, right? Is yes. such a huge mindset shift. Yeah. And so I'm interested, and I love that so much. And Danny, I'm interested in like how, like where you're at with a lot of your stuff. Because I know like in the last couple of years, you kind of sh- totally shifted. And we've, we've talked about it here and there. We sprinkled it in. But like you've kind of done a 180 with how you interact with your mom. Did I tell you about this? This is pretty recently. I was driving and I just like bawled. Like, I don't even know if and I told you. Balls? you. No. Oh, no. Bald. <laughs> bald. I was crying. Um this is very recent, like after arrhythmia and like, I've just been processing a lot still. And, um, it was really recently. I don't even know if I've talked to you cause it might've been like in the last couple of weeks and I haven't seen you in a couple of weeks. Um, I just started crying. Actually, no, I was in bed. I wasn't driving. Um, cause I think another, I was driving crying for another time. Um, I cry for whatever reason, but I started just to really, uh, I was like crying for my mom and realizing, so I'm at the age that my mom was when I was pregnant with my daughter. And that was the time we had the hardest like fighting and she's screaming and she hated me and I was embarrassing her and she she made my pregnancy about her and I always thought that was selfish. Like you embarrassed me and you did this like that we're Mormon and like I should, you know, what I'm a bad parent because my daughter got pregnant. I'm like, this isn't a fucking about you. It's about, you know, like I'm the pregnant one and I'm going through this and she made it about her. And yet now I'm going, she was 37 years old and I've just turned 38. And I was like, dang, if I had a fucking pregnant teenager, I would beat the shit out of her right now. (laughs) Like, no wonder she was pissed off and angry. And she thought her life was going to look a certain way. She thought she was going to get married and never have to work. And she had to work. Like she had a very narrow view of the world. She was very naive. She had me at 22 years old for crying out loud. And so I just cried and I, I just felt like, so much god i'm gonna cry now see <laughs> every but fucking I just, time people every time i just was like you know she was actually really brave and also right now by the way i'm like staying at my parents house so i'm like i'm 37 years old living at home and yet she was 37 years old raising a teenager a pregnant teenager raising two kids like she probably had more of her shit together than i have right now <laughs> so i just had this moment of like you know what she was really fucking strong with the tools that she had and what she knew and everything that was being thrown at her, she did her best. And I just remember thinking during those years, I hated her. I wanted her to die. I didn't care. Like if she never died, I would have been like, fine, good. Like she's better off. Like when you said relief, I 
I could have felt that I would have been like, I would have been so relieved to have her out of my life. And now I go, wow, like she had a lot of stuff on her plate. And I had a lot of just of this just big wave of compassion and gratitude for her. Like, all right, you, you fucking had a house payment. Like, I don't even have that right now. (laughs) You have a lot of like, she had, she was like trying to do her best of like having a home for her children. I don't have to take care of any children. I don't have that responsibility. She had a lot of responsibility. She had a lot of things on her plate. She had a lot going on with her marriage. And then she had a pregnant teenager on top of it. And so I just like, gosh, I I just went to bed just like crying and just actually feeling like I felt how she was. And it just gave me a really different perspective. And I haven't told her, so maybe it will be good for her to listen to this. But it was, this just is very recent for me. And also, God, I love that so much. And also like, our parents didn't have this kind of stuff. No, right. like no one had like tools, yeah. no right? support like, groups. No one had no like, books. yeah, there's no like internet <laughs> where you could like find support groups yeah. and fucking yeah. forums. Like, you Google, what do you do in no your teen pregnancy? And things. you're not like, it, yeah, I mean like no if our parents about... said like, oh, like you should change your mindset. It'd be like, yeah. you're like the village yeah. crazy person. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, you know, so. And back then it was really just, you know, you kind of, there wasn't a, there wasn't a lot of talking about, so there was a lot more shame. Like, yeah, tons you know, of shame. Yeah, absolutely. You never talked about anything. Talked about. Yeah. No. And in a religious right? household and it's like, she's just doing her best and just like embarrassed and what do you do? And so, yeah, a lot of that where I felt, again, it's so funny because we always make it about us. Always. So I felt she was making it about her and yet I was making it about me. Like we all are just like making everything <laughs> about us and everyone's like, we're in our own story. It's just even, you know, right when I was training clients, everybody's like, everyone's looking at me. I'm like, nobody's looking at you because they're all worried about people looking at them. So we all think everything is about us and it's not. And so the stories we tell ourselves are like, well, my mom, and I would say this to her, I was like, you hated me. She's like, I didn't hate you. I was like, you did hate me. Well, at least I hated you. So I don't know, like, but we just did not get along. We did not see eye to eye. But I think maybe she didn't hate me, but she was so angry at the situation. She was so upset. And so our perception just changes. Like now you can look back at your mom, Nicole, and go, she was in pain. And probably, you know, there's a time where you're like, that was selfish. I can't believe it. And now you might possibly where she was at thinking, my kids are better off without me. Like I've been in that mental illness state of thinking, you know, I, I would be so upset if people thought it was because it was selfish reasons. You know, I've been in that place of being suicidal. And in my mind, it was always like, this is better for the rest of my family. This is better for the world if I'm not here, which is yeah. a really fucked up thing to say. But it's also like mental illness back to that conversation too. It's sometimes that's where they're at. And so when you make it about you, like, oh, I she didn't love me enough. It's like, maybe she loved you so much. That's why she felt she had to go, you know? And it's really, it's really uh, just an interesting conversation when we start to just put our, try to be in someone else's shoes. And that's really the, the thing that we, it's so hard to do and we don't do enough of is just trying to be in someone else's shoes. Yes. I know. I feel like we all have that person too, that we also like deep down, even though like you can consciously be like, I hate my mom or whatever. It's like, we always want their approval too. Like oh yeah. Secretly, it's like this weird like thing where, yep. you know, cause if we really didn't care then we just wouldn't, it would just totally. roll it off of us. And totally. I, ta- I talked to a lot of my clients and they're coming up against, especially because they're new entrepreneurs and they're trying to convince their family members that what they're doing is good and justified. And they're like, they just don't understand what I'm doing. And they want so badly for the person in their life, whether it's family member, friends, siblings, whatever, to just be on board with it. 
And so I help them, or at least I'm trying to help them, like not, even though it's totally normal to like want that approval and want that affirmation and want someone to like get you and be like your biggest cheerleader. At the end of the day, like they just might not be. Yeah. Because of their value system, because of their comfort zone, because of their sense of control or whatever. And so like, I'd be interested to hear from you guys, like, what do you do in that scenario? Like you have that person in your life that's a family member that you just want them to like understand, be on board, be your biggest cheerleader. And they constantly criticize, judge, don't get it, tell you what you're doing is stupid. And it's like, how do you find the courage to like keep going when you're just not getting that sort of support? I know for me, there was a big point where I just stopped talking to my mom for four years. Boundaries. Yeah, stop talking to her for a while. And then there were boundaries. And there's even to this day, there were some things that she was saying that I'm like, we can't have this conversation. So as soon as it's up, it's like, nope, we're not talking about that because I know I'm going to get triggered. And it's just, it's not, it's not conducive for me. There was one person though, that I really wanted approval of for a while that I didn't realize. And that was my daughter. And she's the editor Mm. of the podcast. So she'll hear this. And (laughs) hi, Courtney. Um, it's like my, she, I knew that when she turned 18, that she might be able to meet me. And so I always felt like I wanted her to be proud of me. And so I worked so hard to be the person that she would be proud of when she met her birth mom. And I remember meeting her and I had this amazing day, but I remember leaving and kind of having this moment of like, you know what? She's 18 years old. I actually don't care if she's proud of me. I'm proud of me. Mm. And that was a big thing for me to release. But I don't know if I would have had that until I had that moment. Mm-hmm. But ha- being realizing that I was proud of myself instead of doing it for someone else, because right. like I, she's right. a teenager and it just and you can put it to anyone like oh, your your dad or your mom or an aunt or a sibling. It's like, great. But are you proud of you? Like the things that you're trying to do to affirm them, like, what mm-hmm. do you think of that? Mm-hmm. And that was just a big light bulb for me of going you know what? Fuck it. I'm proud of my own damn self, whether she is or not. And so I think that's kind of a tool I would suggest to clients too, is like, what do you think of you? Right. You know, are you happy with what you're doing? Right. Because this person could be here or change their mind tomorrow. And lo- oftentimes people do, but you have to be stuck with you. Yeah. So right. where are you at? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, oh, I, one thing that my um, father with him living with me, he would see my day-to-day things, right? Like you're completely exposed when someone's living with you, right? (laughs) And he would say, your mother would be so proud of Mm. the mother that you've become. Yeah. Like everything, look at, because you don't always look at your kids like an accomplishment, Yeah, right? You don't necessarily, Yeah, no one's rewarding you for that. No one's saying, you know, your kids are great. You know, we all think our kids are great and all of these things, but, um, to be able to hear that and uh, it's like full circle, right? It. Yeah, it felt great. It's really a uh, that I was like, oh, okay. I love because that. it's very easy to think you're not doing anything. You're like, oh, I'm a stay-at-home mom. Oh, you know, like yeah. that's not. I think it feels job. really good to hear that. Like, I think everybody should have that. Of like, your mom would be proud of you or your dad. But for the people who don't get that, it's yeah. like even if they don't. Like, it's still okay. It's you know, still like, okay, we want that. Like, that's the Absolutely. ultimate. I remember when I got pregnant, my, the worst thing that actually happened was my dad said he was disappointed in me. Ooh. And I was like, so crushed because it was like letting someone down. And I think feeling like we're disappointing somebody that we look up to or somebody who's like yeah. not proud, but ultimately it just does come back to, are you proud of yourself? Yeah. Cause we can't just keep 
like somebody might not be like your mom's not here. So if you're doing it for approval or, you know, we lose a family member or they have Alzheimer's, like that's not the same person anymore, right? That happens a lot too, where we have to do it for ourselves and our own approval. So I think ultimately it comes down to like, cool, that feels good. I'm glad my mom would be proud of me or I'm glad you're proud of me, but it's not for you. This is for me. There is a level of ownership that I think you have to eventually get to. And ironically, and it's just like so cruel the way this works is I think once you decide that you don't need that person's approval is when you finally get right. it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Like at least that was my experience. Yeah. As soon as I like just didn't give a shit and like ripped the bandaid off and like just was like, you know what, they're gonna be fucking disappointed and that's fine. Like yeah. they don't get what I'm doing. And I just started owning it and yep. like taking the steps to get to the, where I wanted to get was the moment where they started. And I, I talk from a career perspective, both my parents were in business. And when I became uh, like a fitness, when I was in fitness, they were like, so you're a gym teacher. And I was like, no, <laughs> like I don't do, but if I was, that was fine too. Yeah. But it was like, you know, one of those things where I felt like I was constantly having to prove myself that this was a valid career and it wasn't just like a hobby or whatever. And I started getting the support that I desired the second I decided that I didn't. So I think there's an energetic component to it yeah. as well, where like, if you show up full, like, ownership, confidence, trust, or at least fucking faking it a little bit until yep. you make it, you, you know, perception is really key. And I think, you know, the person that you want approval from can see that you're owning it and that's attractive. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, fuck. Like, yeah, maybe I will get on board. Yep. So it does. It's like, which, com which comes first, the chicken or the egg? Do you wait to get the affirmation to then do the thing? Yep. Or do you just do the thing and then get the affirmation afterwards? It's like that in so many things, right? Even in sales. Like yeah. as soon as you don't need the sale, everybody wants to buy from you. Right. But you're as like, as, your relationship, like, all these people, <laughs> as yeah. soon as you're in a relationship, true, yeah. all these people come out of the woodwork. Hitting your DMs, you're whack-a-moling them down. <laughs> well, I love this conversation. Love this conversation. Uh, Nicole, thank you so much for being on the podcast and for just for sharing so much. Yeah, this shit thank is not you. easy. We know for sure. And just, I think this is just such a great conversation and I loved your story. And you guys, we have now the happiness diet out. It is the happiness and you can check it out. We have a lot of like worksheets and activities and things to do to kind of get like get through some of the deep stuff um, and just help you like change your mentality, change your perception. And the diet part is really about just what you consume. Like your what you put in your mouth is not your whole diet. It's like what you see, what you read, what you're what you're finding and following on social media. So we're really excited to have that out. And we're um, excited to be in New York, out of New York. Manhattan, peace out. Shout out. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much. And of course, we always want to know what you think of the podcast. If you like this, please go ahead and uh, take a screenshot, share it on social. We will always repost you guys. It's always a huge, just, we are just so grateful when you feel like it is worth sharing with your friends and family. And that's the highest compliment that we can get. Leave us a review. Let us know what you think. And we will see you next time. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye.